Hello, you are listening to Off the Record, our weekly podcast here at Chalk Magazine, where we talk about life, love, and everything in between. And speaking of things in between, um, ever work more than 20 hours in a week while also taking almost 20 hours in academic schoolwork? Well, listen, you kind of hate your life by the end of the week and you kind of forget uh, how life was like prior making a lot of money. I work at this wonderful place called Insert Generic Hobby Store here. Um, And it is, it's an interesting place to work. Honestly, I work with a lot of different people. I think it's good for me. I think it's good to work with different people. You know, you get to have different conversations and things like that. You get to interact with uh, women over the age of 60 uh, and have conversations about breast cancer. And uh, did you get your mammogram this year in the break room while also talking about how your daughter is sleeping with a 30-year-old man and uh, my 21-year-old brain is like 30? Ooh old and then I remember oh her daughter's like 40 so you know it's a it's an adjustment but uh today at work I worked with a very interesting southern man um not my co-worker my client because I work in the uh framing department at this craft store and uh he was particularly upset with me because I didn't seem to understand how to do my job clearly I wasn't listening close enough were his words um I think I was listening quite closely considering he was uh one foot away from me not six feet but one foot and uh never in my life have I wanted to go back to not making money in that moment because uh it's been a long time since I've been yelled at a man that was over the age if I wanted that, I would continue to live at home, but I digress. Uh, I like my job, I think. I like getting out of the house, but uh, when was the last time that you guys got yelled at by a man that was over the age of 50 for supposedly not knowing how to do your job? You know, thankfully, I work at the library. We get nobody right now, so I don't oh, encounter anyone, let alone anyone yelling at me, but I... Remember back to when I was a host at a restaurant and people will just find anything to get mad at you, but especially old people, I swear, will just come in and they're just looking, they're searching to find something to get upset about. You don't know something and they know it and they're just looking to tell you what it is. I, when I worked at a restaurant, we had one man come in who had a big complaint. He wanted us to tell our manager because our coffee cups were too small for his fingers and he was oh. very, very upset about that. Very mad. Um, it was our fault personally that we did not make coffee cups specifically for him. So that's just one example. Um, I think they just like to yell. A lot of old people really like to yell. Yeah, I've I've been working at Target for about I don't want, I want to say three weeks now, and I fortunately have not experienced uh, much yelling but I have gotten a lot of like passive aggressive comments and things like that just because turns out 
there are still a lot of people that don't like wearing masks. And part of my job as a front-end security guy is telling people our policy states that you need to wear a mask to come in here. Yeah, and there are a lot of people. I, I got one lady come in the other day where I was like, hey, hi, welcome to Target. You need to, our policy says you need to wear a mask to come in. And she was like, I'm exempt. I'm like, okay, well, we have masks to provide in case like you just don't have one on you. And she's like, I'm exempt. I'm like, okay, well, like, this is the whole spiel. I got to go through. What does that I'm like, mean? I'm like, uh, we will, we have contactless options, like our drive-in or our pickup for groceries and things like that. In case you just like, don't want to wear a mask. And she's like, I'm exempt. Goodbye. And then like walked past me. And I was like, what All does right, that well. mean? So I don't, I don't know what, what that, that means. Mean to be exempt? I have no clue, but it was just like the most bewildering thing where she just, that's all she would say to me. And then she just like, ran, like walked past me. And like I'm, I, I'm not allowed to engage with a with a customer like that. So like all I could do is just be like, okay, but yeah. Oh my god! What? Yep. I do not envy that job, Wyatt. I get secondhand anxiety if I'm just in a store where like somebody's at the front desk or the front like by the door, and someone walks in and they're like, oh, can you please put on some hand sanitizer? And just seeing the look of rage on some people's face when asked to put on hand sanitizer. I do not envy that at all. One of my coworkers who was on the original like sanitation team for cleaning carts and things like that um, talked about how during the first few weeks of COVID, uh, there were a lot of people that were very aggressive against masks. And there was one guy who came in this like big, large uh, cowboy looking dude. And she asked him to put on his mask and he flashed his handgun at her. <gasps> he like flashed his handgun. Oh. and was like, I don't need to wear a mask if I don't want to. What? Oh. So he basically threatened her life. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say the job has been super pleasant. I like, I don't have a lot of complaints. Really not much at all. I mean, I get paid $15 an hour to just stand and greet people. And most of the time, and it's been great. It's just like, there are definitely some unpleasant customers here and there. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Guests, I mean, as we call them at Target. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I like working at said craft store because I actually get to do a lot of handiwork and I make a lot of nice old people happy. I made a not old person who was our age, Wyatt, spend $300 on amping up his Chiefs poster. So salesman what would you say is the average age of your co-workers the average age of my co-workers is probably 42 the wow. average age of my clients is probably 50 or 48 wow yeah that's way so older than people a, i deal with yeah when a 20 21 year old walked in and was like ah i don't know how to frame anything i was like Hmm, interesting. I think I have the design for you and uh, swindled him into spending $300. Our generation just freaking loves uh, Target, I guess, because I get probably, I mean, I get obviously get older customers, guests, but I mean, there's a lot of college kids, both as guests and working with me. So I don't know, something about Target, I guess. Something about Target. Everything. And our Target is so nice now. 
It is so nice. Our target is so nice. Our management is great. Like everything about this target is just perfect. I love it. Highly, highly recommend if somebody needs a job. We're hiring a bunch of people right now, so. Ooh, tempting. I know. Shout out Target. Well, speaking of the little joys in life, Taylor, don't we have to talk about some TV shows or something? I cannot get enough of Nicole's segues. (laughs) Yes, one of the greatest joys in my life, um, television shows. And I kind of want to talk today to you guys about what are some of your favorite TV shows, how they've helped kind of shape you, your worldview growing up in recent years. I know for me, I mean, television has always been TV movies, just that media in general has always been like a really important part of my life and my personality. Whenever I'm, whatever I'm watching at the time, I pretty much take that on. So when I was a kid, it was kind of the same thing. Whatever show I was watching, I was that character. There's really embarrassing videos of me being younger, pretty much quoting Hannah Montana was like the only Mm, thing that I would say. I just was Hannah Montana is how I would talk, which is, if you go back and listen, it's not cute. It's really not cute. But um, I don't know. I think just television has such a way because almost more than movies, if it's something you consume daily, and especially now that you can consume a whole season, in a day it can come like completely take over your life your personality your wants and i kind of wanted to hear from you guys i mean that's that's one of the great things about tv is that it it extends the storytelling beyond what a two-hour runtime can do you can do Mm -hmm. whatever you want with it as long as you want it and it really just adds a level of magic that movies oftentimes don't bring right and i also think that like it almost forces you to get to know each character like each main character a bit more than like a movie could ever like a movie could have like an entire segment of like a background you know blah 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 but like an episode you know is like here's a little teaser of this aspect of this character's life and you just continue to watch more because you want to consume more and more of this person and it becomes like part of your daily life, um, like a friend almost. I think that's why they're so heartbreaking when they end, at least for me, is because it is like saying goodbye to a friend pretty much. I mean, something that is such a huge part of your life, these characters that you've gotten to know so well. And then when it's over, it's over. You know, these people, this like scenario you've spent however many hours watching is just done. I've always had that. I remember watching the, I don't know, maybe this wasn't a finale. Did you guys watch Wizards of Waverly Place? I did. I did. You remember the episode where Alex's werewolf boyfriend gets turned into a wolf forever Mm -hmm. and Justin's girlfriend gets turned into an old lady vampire forever. That was so upsetting to me. Yeah. Bridget Mendler. Thank you. That was so upsetting because gone was Alex's cute boyfriend and Bridget Mendler's vampire self just deceased. I mean, not deceased, but wolf forever. That was leading up to the finale, wasn't it? She said it. Yeah, it wasn't the finale, yeah. but it was a big episode. Yeah. Big no, I mean, I, I get that sunk. Like, it's like an empty feeling um, whenever you finish a show that you've been committed to for such a long time. 
Um, I mean, I, I just recently experienced that. I, I went through and I watched, I heard so much stuff about Steven universe. Right. And I watched adventure time a ton as a kid. So hearing that like this show that got all this hype was create created by one of the writers of one of my like childhood shows. I was like, sure. Why not? I'll give it a go, man. I got into this show because it's it, the energy of it is it's so wholesome, but it hits some really serious topics. I mean, it hits on stuff like PTSD, on on self esteem issues and anxiety. Hits on LGBT issues, like all this stuff in what is supposed to be a kids show. And man, it's great. And it just recently finished last year, and so I finally got to watch the finale the other day. It's so good. It's so good. But it's it's like it's one of those things where you're like. I'm never going to see something new from this world or these characters again. Like the only thing I can do is rewatch. So it's bittersweet. Right. I think that's me with new girl because like that last episode when they played true American and packed up that last box and they're all in that last box. And it's like, Oh, so I won't be with these people in this loft anymore and I was like what do I do now okay season one you know <laughs> so <laughs> it's like is that healthy like are we so unaccustomed to change that we like just fall back on being like habitual creatures and is that why we rewatch the shows that we do over and over again because we associate so many feelings with the characters and like the moments like I mean I'm a culprit of it like every single time I have a depressive episode I'm like okay new girl Nick Miller will fix it you know and then I cry it's a comfort thing yeah it's a coping mechanism but also like is that healthy like are we so stuck in this like realm of staying you know constant you know staying with something uh comfortable that we are like unable to like move forward and move on is that why we repeat it also it's like pack it up Schrodinger it's not that deep so you know you can roast me it's fine (laughs) (laughs) I think it definitely is like a coping mechanism and a thing of kind of escape too I mean, it's something that you know you're going to be able to turn this on and you're going to get those exact same feelings. You know you're going to get that comfort, those laughs you're familiar with. It's like surrounding yourselves with people that you know make you feel better too. Like even though they're just characters on a screen, you know they make you feel a certain way. And so if you're having a crappy day, you know you can just turn that on and find that comfort there, which I don't know if that's healthy, but I don't really know. it's unhealthy. It's like, a. I mean, there are worse things you yeah. can do. There are worse things you can do, for sure. Um, I mean, of course, if we could just all, like, face our problems head on, that would be lovely. But sometimes you need a bit just going back to something familiar that makes you feel happy and good and warm, like Nick Miller, his chaotic energy. I guess, what are your guys' new girl? Like, what do you watch? that you know is like an immediate feel good and uh why are they your little shoulder to cry on 
I think my kind of comfort feel good shows are a lot of sitcoms that feel like nostalgic to me to growing up in childhood. I feel like recently I gravitate more towards kind of drama, drama comedy shows. But when I really just want something familiar, I always go back to Seinfeld reruns on Hulu. Um, I love to go back and watch New Girl uh, as well. And then also something that is like, it got so blown up and everybody watched it and then it got kind of old. But The Office is something that me and my family used to watch all the time together. When I was in middle school, high school, we would always turn an episode and watch it together. And so that's something that I love to go back home. And it's kind of a family ritual as we'll watch a couple episodes together. So it's something that I would never turn on for myself. But I associate it so much with like a certain time in my life that it's a fish thing that we all share together. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know if I necessarily have a comfort show. Like my comfort watch is is La La Land. That's pretty much, but that's not a show, you know. Um, so I, I think I I kind of fall back to watching things that are more cathartic than anything. Uh, so I mean, that's that's things like like the Bojack Horsemans of the world, or the Fleabags of the world, or you know, th- things of that nature where it's like, it's funny, but it also is relatable. And I think it's cathartic because it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm not alone in feeling what I'm feeling. This is something that someone else is feeling too. So it's not, that's not everybody's strategy, obviously, because some of the content of those kinds of shows will be, I mean, almost triggering in a way to some people when they're not in the right headspace. But for me, it's just, it's a relating thing. It's just nice to, to feel like I can relate to something. Um, and those are the kind of shows and content that allow me to do that. Yeah, I was going to say that another show that kind of reminds me of home and reminds me of how my family and I used to spend time is, you know, on every Saturday, my dad and I used to stay up and watch Saturday Night Live. Um, and my mom and I used to watch America's Got Talent and American Idol and like shows like that where it's like live. Um, mm. I don't know why my family ate that up so much, and but it's my family of, had American Idol nights too, so it's, yeah. you're not alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I watched it when Kelly Clarkson won, right? Like, yeah. That was like, our generation, um, but um, it's like kind of hard for me to watch those shows alone because I'm like, wait, these are family shows. Like this is what I associate community with and so those are what I kind of lean on like when I go home and like want to feel at home but other comfort shows that I like watching to turn my brain off and relax that are like my go-tos that I grew up watching are How I Met Your Mother because of Marshall anyways um (laughs) and then Four Weddings which is on TLC I don't know if any of you have watched that, but it was my absolute favorite TLC show. Is that where they have, is that like where they have like four different weddings and then rate each other's? Yes. I loved that show. That show gave me and my cousin, my cousin loves TLC shows. Well, like that was kind of our thing where she would watch like My Strange Addiction and then I would watch Four Weddings 
and it was a weird dynamic but both of us would like be there for each other because the other one would get super hype about it um I think that four weddings is better than say yes to the, say yes to the dress um that's a hot take because everyone likes say yes to the dress but four weddings was semi-staged so it was kind of more fun but it was like when staged was rough so think 2007 staged where it's like I'm gonna vote her wedding down Morgan's ready for her beach wedding is Emily's lake wedding going to throw hers out of the water stay tuned it was bad it was not good but incredible so show and distressed so it was, was so much fun my like eight year old self was critiquing these like grown women's budgets for like their dresses and venues. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. tacky. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's how um, I think that's how I became a judgmental person <laughs> from these like ranking shows. It was. It's from TLC shows. It's from TLC. You know, eight year old Nicole had no business being like, hmm, princess cut interesting <laughs> with the a-line like what i'm nine you have no you have nothing to say but um i think another dramedy that i am addicted to at this current moment wyatt to sort of like touch on your bojack horseman moment um is i can't get enough of shameless and i don't know what that has to say about where i'm at in my college career <laughs> because in terms of what I've been binging my entire college career, like freshman year, I think I was rewatching Jane the Virgin and then like kind of stopped. And so that's kind of like a, you know, love triangle, but also self-growth, but also like romantic interest, yada, yada. Then sophomore year, it was, I think it was you. I was really, really addicted to you. And that came out during quarantine-ish, right? The second season, maybe, but the, the first second season, season, yeah, first season was like two years ago, maybe. Really? Yep. I think, yeah, yeah. There was a bit of a there was a bit of a cycle between just because it went from whatever channel it was on to Netflix, so they had to do a lot of production stuff. Okay, interesting. Well, I was watching that. Oh, I was watching a lot of Broad City last year but now I can't get enough of shameless and I'm like is my life going into shambles but like why does this please my brain slash give me stress relief by watching this family connect in weird ways I'm like what's going on with me like am I okay it's fine (laughs) I've never seen shameless but isn't it like is it just chaos is the kind of the vibe that I've gotten? That could be wrong. But even if it's not, I feel like it's also a thing of escape, like through comedy, also through shows where just so much is happening, that it's also a thing of just completely forget my troubles, what's going on. I'm just going to insert myself into the absolutely insane lives of someone else, of like another family. I think so it's just a great way to describe it. And that's usually how I feel with it, watching any sort of, like, action show, drama, Breaking Bad. I mean, I felt that way. I mean, get out of my dull, like, high school problems and focus on Walter White cooking meth in his van. <laughs> like, 
it's yeah. another way for me to kind of de-stress, cope, escape again. And I think it works just as well as comedy. It's just in a completely different way. Shane, have you guys seen Shameless? Wyatt, have you? I have not. Okay. I am obsessed with it right now. I'm almost at season two. I watch it every single day after work. And at work, I am so stressed all the time. But also, I have a very love-hate relationship with my job. But regardless, I don't know. Shameless, the first episode is a lot. Um, but you quickly kind of fall in love with every character and it really teaches you that like, you know, not every home situation is perfect, but at least in the Gallagher family, they love each other and that love and that bond is like stronger than anything. Ever. You mean a lot as in like a scare you away type a lot? Like, kind of like a sure. Black Mirror episode one kind of deal? No, <laughs> I am not talking about a politician okay. having intercourse with a pig. Um, oh. I'm talking about sex, like unfiltered. Oh. Uh, or like masturbation or like just very raw human things that you wouldn't really expect but it's not in a way that like euphoria kind of shows things or like how like american horror story would like show things um it's more so like this is a poor family on the south side of chicago and this is how they live and they're shameless about it because that's just how things are good you title know? drop <laughs> yeah i love it i think i recommend it if y'all are wanting to try something new I didn't know that I wanted it I tried to jump into community but I just didn't fall in love and I love Donald Glover but who doesn't racist but I just couldn't fall in love with it I don't know I tried so hard but it just didn't work I also tried Arrested Development it didn't click I really like Arrested Development but it took me a while like it took me a bit to get into it because it was just kind of a different style than what I was used to but talking about first episodes being a lot that's how I felt when I first watched Fleabag I was just so (laughs) overwhelmed with like just how that show was sex wise pretty much how it just opens and I think that's something that was one of my favorite aspects of that show is it kind of overloads you with a lot at the beginning. Um, you're just kind of finding a lot about Fleabag, the main character and her life. And it's kind of a mess and she's kind of a mess. But as the show goes on, it kind of delves deeper into why those things are happening, why those things are shown and all the, like the different layers. And it's just, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's so good. It's just, I've never seen anything quite like it where the main character is almost trying to fool you the whole time. If you don't know anything about it, she is kind of talking to the audience half the time. Breaks the fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall and interacting. And so you kind of start to realize that she's not the most reliable narrator, but you're able to see everything. So you know, but you can also tell she's kind of trying to put up a facade as it goes on. And there's a reason for that. There is a reason. Yes. That we find out slowly but surely. Mm. But Mm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just an incredible writer anyways. 
Have you guys have heard the show Crashing either or Killing Eve? If you know Killing Eve, she also I know Killing Eve. Show. I haven't seen it, but I have to because she's just it's real good. Everything. It's real good. I really need to see it. I love both those actresses yep. too. I I was gonna ask, is her breaking the fourth wall similar to how Rue breaks the fourth wall, Wyatt, in Euphoria? Um, no. I so there's really only two shows that I know that break the fourth wall like Fleabag, one of those being Fleabag, the other one is Mr. Robot. So if you haven't seen Mr. Robot, I mean it's oh. it's direct it's it's literally like they are seeing you as an entity of their mind, almost like an imaginary friend. And they're what? talking to you, the audience, directly. And again, in both of those shows, there's a reason for that. And it gets explained and it's it's phenomenal how it's done because it's something that you hear that you're know, like, they're talking to the audience. That could be kind of, you know, cheesy or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But man, the way the way it's used is perfectly done, especially in Fleabag season two. They really take it to another notch. That's just like just wild. It's crazy. It's amazing. Fleabag is legitimately one of the best shows on television. Um, I mean, that again, and don't be fooled by the first episode. The opening scene is literally like her talking about anal sex. Oh, so yes. it, it, it's like it starts out and you're like, oh, this is what's happening here, you know, but don't let that scare you away. It is it's one of the best written shows on television, um, hands down it. There's there's nothing like it. I've shown it to so many people and it's a super short watch. Each season's about two hours long total. So it's easy to just get through and die. I mean, maybe not easy to digest just because it gets very deep. It is very existential. There's a lot to uh, take in, but it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing like Fleabag and it's truly amazing. And you can, it's backed up by how many awards it's won. Like both seasons, when they've come out, they've swept the Emmys. If that tells you anything. Yeah, and I think just what you were talking about earlier, Wyatt, is going back and watching shows where even if they are maybe a bit difficult to watch, but if you can kind of feel that that scene feeling, you know, be able to connect, that's a show that I will go back and even just sometimes YouTube some of the monologues from and like watch those scenes because I think especially if you have one that is surrounded by other things and then they can find those like small moments to have those really hard hitting monologues or scenes, they just hit so hard. And yeah, I please someone talk, like stop me from talking about Fleabag because I will never, <laughs> never stop. But it's just the writing, the acting, perfect, just a perfect show, really a perfect yeah. show. And also if you see season one, you have to see season two because I think it's better. But I think season two is like a masterpiece in itself. It's one of those... I mean, there's a few few shows where I'm like, there's a single season that's a, just purely perfect. I think the the single season of Watchmen is absolutely perfect. I think the second season of Master of None, perfect. Uh, Fleabag season two is one of those seasons. And I'm not the person to stop you ranting about Fleabag because I am just as passionate about Fleabag as you are, as you've heard. But yeah, just just watch the show. Like it, it is so good. It is so good. It's one of those shows where it's one of the few shows for me that I could watch a countless number of times 
and never get tired of it. Mm-hmm. I'll still be a blubbering mess by the end, but yeah. I've also had fun over quarantine or just over times or like, I feel like over the past couple of years, I'll go back and rewatch shows that I really loved in maybe middle school or early high school, ones that I just really thought were it and going back and watching them. And it is really entertaining to see which ones hold up, which ones I still think, wow, you know, this, I was right. I really was onto something and which ones I cannot imagine watching and enjoying. There's so many like that. There was one show I watched. I don't know if you guys have heard of it called My Mad Fat Diary. It was a British show. It's on Hulu. Yes, I started watching that over quarantine with one of my friends. Did you? What did you think? Yeah, it was... I got to the episode of that very cute boy that she had a crush on. And then they end up kissing at the school, at the pool or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. it's very weird because it's like they're in high school, but they can go to pubs because it's London. I know. Right? Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. I wouldn't say that that was like something that I immediately went home and binged, though. Yeah, it's kind of a lot, too, in different ways. But I loved it when I was in middle school because obviously like British everything during that time. Shout out One mm-hmm. Direction again. But I went back and watched it and I was expecting to hate it now, to think it was such a dumb show. And I still really, really loved it. I thought it was still an excellent show that I'd still probably say was a favorite. But I mean, if you were to ask me other shows that I loved in middle school, I mean, I think I watched Gossip Girl like every day in sixth grade. And now like, I think back to the plot points of that show and I can't even make sense of it. Yeah, I don't fully remember what Chuck did and how old everyone was all the time like I know they were in high school but me and one of my really good friends Angie actually tried re-watching it because in middle school we were obsessed with Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars Mm -hmm. um I was also obsessed with the 90210 and I would binge that with my cousin all the time um but I was like, Angela, like, we used to binge this show all the time. And I was the Serena to your Blair, which I don't know why I chose that, but <laughs> it's fine. Um, I don't remember the plot. I just know that, like, Serena and Dan were together. I thought Dan was hot. I know Baby J existed. Um, I don't remember a single thing. Same with 90210. And I'm like, I was so invested in this. Yeah, there were just some shows like that, especially Pretty Little Liars, too. I think back and I'm like, who was everybody A at one point? Yes. Really think almost every character was A at yes. one point. Same with um, Teen Wolf. Anybody watch Teen Wolf? I did a little bit. A little that bit. was another one I was so invested in. I loved it. And now I look back and I just had a crush on every single character. I have no idea what the plot for that show was at all yeah no I have no idea oh um oh geez I think it was awkward the show awkward on <laughs> MTV um I don't even know the plot for that either I think it was really just Maddie was that the hot guy I wasn't allowed to watch it but oh. I always wanted to yeah um, 
Yeah, I think Gossip Girl was the first show that I watched that was like, ooh, TV show. This isn't Disney <laughs> Channel. And I watched it at my friend's house and would go over after school and we'd watch it. And so that's like just something else is TV growing up was completely showed just different realities or like different. I mean, Gossip Girl is in a different reality. That's just a non-reality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But just when you go from watching Disney Channel or Little House in the Prairie and then you watch something like <laughs> that, you know, it's just, yeah. it, I think it's incredible. And there's still obviously like a, a lot more realities that can and should be shown on television. But I think there are so many TV shows that it's much easier and more accessible to have more stories being told through television, I think as well. Also, because you can have so many seasons and characters throughout the shows. But yeah, that was um, my first show like that. I was not allowed to watch Nickelodeon for a while because a Degrassi trailer came on. Um, Yeah, and so I wasn't allowed to watch that anymore, which was very sad by Zoe 101 for me. Were you allowed to watch like Cartoon Network and all that? Um, I was, but it was kind of like, mm, disapproved. What I wasn't allowed to watch. No, what's the one with the dog, Courage the Cowardly Dog, right? I was, well, that was Cartoon Network, right? I wasn't allowed to watch that one. It was scary. I, and that's what I was about to say. I think Cartoon Network was edgier than Nickelodeon was in a lot of ways. I mean. Well, then you had Nick at Night, too. Yeah, that's true. Did have- that's true. That was a whole other thing. Because, I mean, there were times where I'd watch, like, regular show, and my parents would be like, some of this stuff is kind of questionable. But they just kind of let me watch whatever whenever it came to cartoons and things like that, because they are like, it's fine. Um, but it, Which is funny, because I didn't even... The shows that I were super into weren't even the ones that were, like, super questionable. Like, my favorite show as a kid was Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. And that show is not like edgy at all it's actually like super wholesome funny it's It's super funny i love that show like to this day (laughs) coco freaking coco dang that show is so funny also regular show is so funny too regular show is also great um i was gonna say that what was the well first of all um, when my parents, when my mom saw Degrassi on at my cousin's house, she was like, Nicole, you are not allowed to watch that. Also, she didn't want me to watch Pretty Little Liars. Also, um, I would secretly record Girl Code from MTV on the DVR um, and then watch it when my mom would be at work because I'd be like, MTV. Ooh. Um, but now when I look back on everything, I'm like, dang, uh, that was just a lot um also are we going to unpack aria and ezra that teacher-student oh, relationship my god wasn't she like a sophomore in high school a sophomore a junior yeah when they got together yeah and he was a full-blown teacher yeah that's a bit questionable uh extremely questionable there's so yeah. much like that like high school shows when we were talking about guys gossip girl it was making me think of that how first of all those characters are fully like 16 down at the hotel bars sipping martinis <laughs> hello that would not happen and i think everybody just ignored i mean i remember ending the show and be like oh chuck and blair goals mm-hmm. so cute 
Then you rewatch it. Toxic. And Chuck, like, practically tries to assault a woman in the first episode. And we just, we ignore that. It just gets pushed away. We did ignore it. It was bad. Also, like, just casual drug use of 16, 17-year-olds. Like, we were like, this is fine. This is very cool. This is what it's like to be popular and rich. Um, but I was going to say, um, did you ever get in? Did you guys ever watch Carrie Diaries? I didn't because I heard that it was going to be canceled, like, before I got into it. So I was like, I'm not going to put myself through the pain of the canceled show. But I really wanted to because I love Sex and the City. That's a guilty pleasure. That was my freshman year was complete escapism through Sex and the City in my little dorm room all the time. Still, like, that intro theme song gives me flashbacks. But I Carrie Diaries looked good. I kind of liked it, but I didn't. It was so good. Um, You were actually smart not to get invested in it because by the end of that season, whatever season, I think it was season two, you are begging for a third. You're begging. But... Is that, a, like, is that a bad habit to be avoiding shows that, like, we know are canceled, won't have... Because I do the same thing. I'm like, if I hear a show that, like, oh, this season was good, but they canceled it, I'm like, well, I'm probably just not going to watch it, just because I know it won't get closure. No, save yourself the pain, because, I mean, you're just going to be disappointed. Unless it was... Okay, I say that, but then there's definitely some shows I recommend, because I think they're so good but they get canceled and you get no closure anyways. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like for the most part, I avoid them because I need the closure. I need the That's one thing I want. I want closure. And not every show does that. Here's the thing. I feel like, you know, it's better to have loved than to have not loved at all. Right. And so life sometimes doesn't have closure friends. And sometimes you have to get your heart ripped out of your chest and trampled on but then you find new shows and you meet new people and you fall in love with them or you come across them again and relive that love because there's an episode where Carrie dates this I think he's a journalist no he's a playwright he's a playwright and he's so cute he's so <laughs> cute but they don't date for very long and I I think at that point they knew that the show wasn't going to continue or they also knew that they wanted her to end up being with, uh, I think Austin Butler, um, mm. which I'm like upset about because I wanted the brunette boy to win, but it's fine. Um, but I still rewatched that episode of them together. I <laughs> love the pairing so much. I don't know. Um, it's something we have to get used to because there's, I mean, there's a ton of stuff getting canceled right now just because of like COVID and everything. Uh, I mean, Netflix literally, what was that? Oh God. Netflix released a show a couple months ago with the girl from it. that They pumped up a bunch where she has like superpowers. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know the name yes. of that show? Uh, I hate it. No, I hate, the, no, never mind. I don't know it. I thought it said something like that. I don't remember. I, you, you know what show I'm talking about. They pumped this show up like crazy. They're like, this is our new Stranger Things because it came from... 
You got the name? I am not okay. With I'm this. not okay with this. They had the producers from Stranger Things and the uh, God. I'm forgetting another show's name. Uh, they had the from Stranger Things, another popular Netflix show. Um, but they like pumped the show up, and it got decent viewing numbers. But then because of COVID, they canceled it after one season, even though they like left it on cliffhanger and everything. And if that show is getting canceled, one that they've been like marketing like crazy just because of like who all was involved there's gonna be a lot of stuff that's caught in the crossfire that's that doesn't survive this pandemic unfortunately so i'm just we'll see is all i'm saying we'll see see. i have a hard time i think starting new shows anyways because it does seem like kind of an emotional burden sometimes yeah just a lot to get back into and commit to new people in a new scenario so I think that's why I find myself going back and re-watching more often than not, than starting anything. I feel like I have to have it recommended to be by so many people. And I've heard it over and over again, it's really good before I can get in and like into anything. I kind of I kind of do that too, now that I think about it. It's like I have whole lists of shows that have been recommended or that I've seen online or whatever else where I'm like, I'm gonna watch this show. And it, it, I don't know, it just takes like a certain amount of motivation for me to just press the play button on the first episode. And every time, once I'm into it, I'm like, all right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Not an issue. But there's just something about pressing that play button on that season one, episode one. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel you. I know what you mean. You guys skip if parts aren't good to you? No. Is that sacrilegious? Never. Um my gosh uh i definitely do taylor <laughs> you're a skipper uh, you're i'm gonna, a skipper it's my it's my one flaw you're gonna like miss context and things that whatever i think also it's like if a character i don't care about if it's it's their like part like and never have i ever um like when it would be the best friends portion, I would literally just skip. I'd be like, I don't care. Also, this is side character shit. This is unimportant. I won't lie. That th- there were parts of that show that I definitely could have skipped, but I'm just not that type of person. I am. Shamelessly, I am. Oops. Shamelessly? Because you just said it was a flaw. That sounds like you have shame for it. I said <laughs> this may be my flaw until I don't wake up with me. <laughs> but i don't know i think also i did that oh no i'm gonna get a lot of slack for this i did that in books too sometimes whoa what Mm. (laughs) yeah just skip chapters if i wasn't feeling it and then i would like read like the middle of the next page and i'd be like (laughs) smells like side character content and then i'd skip nicole your patience i don't have any she's very she's very selective with her time and energy that's fair you know what thank you that's that's a great way to word it he gets it um i definitely did around when i was actually committed to watching all of jane the virgin um but i'm happy that i finished it is all i can say i think that there are parts of jane the virgin that you shouldn't skip but they give you a recap at the beginning of each episode anyway. So what are you really missing? Right? 
<laughs> I, I still don't know if I agree with that, but sure. I'm sorry. There are also, you know, I loved binging Dear White People earlier during quarantine, but there were even some moments where I skipped there too. And mm. that was a phenomenally, like, phenomenally, that <laughs> was incredibly, like, produced and shot, uh, like, production like it was just great um but there were parts where I was like is this going to be two minutes and 30 seconds that I'm going to regret spending (laughs) all right skip I'm pretty brutal with it (laughs) I'm sorry I don't think there were any parts in uh Broad City or Euphoria or It's Always Sunny or like new girl that I ever skipped period um I think that with like certain shows especially lighter ones there's like no reason to skip because you know that it's not going to really take any like brain power like are we still talking about euphoria here because I don't think that falls under the category of light well euphoria like has you on the edge of your seat the entire time it does it does so it's like you can't skip because your brain has convinced you that you cannot skip. But the other ones, it's like, it's just funny content. I think Euphoria is underrated. Let me be honest with you. I know a lot really? of people love the show. Um, But like, just seeing how many people were surprised by Zendaya winning the Emmy has me thinking like, this show is, I think is a bit underrated. Like I genuinely think it was one of the best shows of the last few years. Just because of like, I think, I think it was beautifully made. I think the performances were great and it was just unique in a way that, I mean, we've been waiting, who hasn't wanted to see what a high school drama would look like with the budget of an HBO show. And here we have it and it's great. And it hits a lot of great points. I love Euphoria. I love it. It hits so many like raw parts of life raw is a great way to describe it but i also worry you know could this have 13 reasons why backlash like is it romanticizing you know trauma i think that was my fear going into it and before i had watched it i had kind of gotten a skins vibe from it which i watched in middle school and should not have been watching skins in middle school like that oh my god that show was so much but anyways i feel like euphoria did a pretty good job of maybe initially it seems kind of glamorous a lot of things that these like high school teens are going through but then it delves deeper and shows kind of like how traumatic those actually are. And I think that's why so many scenes are so difficult to watch um, is they really didn't shy away from a lot of those like really tough moments, but it also to me personally, didn't seem like they were glorifying it Mm -hmm. or trying to make it look good at all. Yeah. That's, that's the thing for me is with 13 reasons why it's straight up like this girl kills herself. And then everyone like, is like, Oh my God, I love her. Like we're gonna do every, you know what I mean? Like it's it's all it's all romance, it's all glorifying, it's all that. Euphoria, Zendaya's character is straight up like I hate my life, I hate everything that I'm doing, 
I hate everything going on. And that, I mean, there, I don't, I don't see them romanticizing it really. I think they're just showing it for what it is. And maybe the style of the show could kind of give that vibe, but I don't know. I, I think they I think they treat it pretty well in showing how messed up her character is and how kind of awful the the repercussions of her actions are to everyone around her. I think the main word that had the most potential to kind of seem a bit glorified is I did feel like the relationship between Maddie and Nate. Um, There were some times where I felt like, yeah, it was a bit um, romanticized, especially in like kind of the final couple scenes, final couple episodes, instead of it completely showing how harmful that was, I felt like it kept kind of showing that they were still in love and their love was just really complicated. And that was kind of a bit, a little bit iffy to me. But besides that, I feel like they did a pretty good job of not glorifying that other kind of trauma that most of the students dealt with. I think that might be something they flesh out in season two though. It could be. That'd be like, cause I mean, in a lot of relationships, that's how it is in which they're just like caught up in the, Oh, we're in love with each other or whatever when there's a lot of, you know, shitty stuff going on. And so I I, I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that breaking down in, in future episodes. I also um, thought that it was really cool in terms of representation of different friendships and how, like, each character uses the other. Um because like it's obvious that Fez loves Rue so much, but the interactions that like other characters have with each other is just so interesting. Like sometimes I'm like, does Cat even have real friends? Like, does anyone actually care about Cat? Like, do these people actually care about each other? And then I realize, oh, like my high school relationships, I literally left high school with like three intact friends one of them being like a grade older than me but like two intact still best friends to this day friends and it's like some of these characters are going to leave high school with like that one person or some of them none at all and it's like oh i forget a lot of my like new close people in my life are people from college and it like it makes sense, you know, you don't necessarily meet all of your support system in K through 12. That's just not how it works sometimes. Well, as much as I could talk about television and, and playback and the wonderful Phoebe Waller Bridge forever, uh, we will pick this up later on a different episode, part two of television. So uh, stay tuned and listen to us next week. Nicole, where can they find us on social media? Everyone can find us on social media at University Daily Kansan on Instagram and Kansan News on Twitter. Wyatt, where can they listen to us to? You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to get your audio content. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Watch Fleabag. Peace.